Like it or not, projection systems are a huge part of Major League Baseball. They're a huge part of how teams determine what kind of contracts to give to free agents, for example. And there's a lot of them out there. And publicly, which ones are the best? Well, how about this one that averages them all? And we've got access to them next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on the show, we provide episodes three days a week for now, back to five when pitchers and catchers report in mid-February. So we're almost there. It's crazy how it went by so fast. Uh, and then five days a week, 10 months out of the year, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. And I've been podcasting for Locked On Podcast Network for almost five years now. Um, thanks for making Locked On Giants your first listen every day or three days a week for now. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. So check us out there uh, if you have not already. A lot of you have, so thank you. And please hit that subscribe button wherever it is that you're following the show. Today's episode is brought to you brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers Get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. And where I want to get started today is by discussing a new projection system that went up on fan graphs over the last couple of days. And, you know, zips, we talk, we talk a lot about zips projections on this show. They've finished they do Dan Zimborski of zips goes one by team by team, like once a weekday, but not even that. Um, so it takes a while to get through every team. So we did the, we did the giant zips projections at the time when those came out and we've talked about steamer projections, but there's this one called ATC and I don't know exactly what goes into it. To be honest, I know that it averages several different projection systems and that's the most important thing to know about it is and and therefore i believe uh kind of research has shown that it's the most accurate public uh projection system and i like that you know i like the fact that simply averaging all of the different ones gives you the best one that kind of aligns with my philosophy and kind of intuition about statistics and all that kind of stuff is that it's the, you know, it's it's the the greater the sample, basically the 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 better the prediction. Um, yeah. So anyway, I just want to get into some of the players and compare how does how does this ATC projection compare to Steamer and Zips? But keep in mind, ATC is also including Steamer and Zips, and so it's not completely. I can't take Steamer and Zips out of it, but. It also includes far more than just Steamer and Zips. There's a bunch of other ones that go into it. So without further delay, um, 
Let's start with position players. And the number one projected uh, position player for the Giants is Jung Hoo Lee. And so I tweeted this over the last couple days. Uh, Got a lot of attention. McCovey Chronicles retweeting it. Thanks for the shout, McCovey Chronicles. Um, And they're right, you know, saying that this guy has legitimate upside. And that's been one of the points I've made over and over this offseason with the moves they made. Robbie Ray, Jung-Hoo Lee. Um, I'm blanking on the other pickups that they've made. They made, oh, oh, Jordan Hicks. You know, there's just a guy who throws 105, right? You're talking about legit upside with these guys. So anyway, Jung-Hoo Lee, all of the projections basically have him as a guy who's going to be one of the leaders in batting average. And one of the ways you do that is you run a strikeout rate south of 10%. And so for ATC, that strikeout rate projection is 9% and a batting average of 288. You don't often hear me talk about batting average, but Jung-Hoo Lee figures to be a high batting average guy. And so when you get three different projection systems, and again, ATC does include the other two that we're talking about, but it's not just the other two, um, that kind of agree on a player, then that gets my attention. And so, again, 288 average, 113 weighted runs created plus, according to ATC for Jung-Hoo Lee. Um, and according to Dan Zimborski and the Zips, proje- according to his Zips projection system, again, a 288 average. Is that identical? That's identical. A 288 batting average a 111 OPS plus. He doesn't do weighted runs created plus. Very similar to the 113 by ATC. And so that means 11 and 13% above average offensively, respectively. And then if we go to steamer projections, uh, I forgot to filter by Giants. And so we're seeing all players. We've got Jung Hoo Lee with a 291 batting average. And a strikeout rate of 9.1%, a weighted runs created plus of 116. So again, I do not normally focus on average, but this stands out. And as I said on Twitter or X, whatever it is that we're calling it these days, that those projections for Jung-Hoo Lee, um, let me see if I can pull it up. So I did the average of the three, and I also looked at um, wins above replacement per uh, 600 plate appearances for Jung Hoo Lee. It's important to do something like per 600 plate appearances. And so, because otherwise, like these projection systems are kind of estimating playing time and we want to set them all to the same amount of playing time so that we really know what we're looking at. And so for ATC, it's three wins above replacement per 600 plate appearances. For Steamer, 3.4 per 600 plate appearances, and for Zips, 2.9. So the average of all three projection systems is a 289 batting average, a 352 on base, which I didn't really even get to yet, but that is a robust number, 422 slugging, which is solid. Um, you know, if, if, he could, if he could do this, we're talking about a average of a 113 weighted runs created plus slash OPS plus those numbers are really similar OPS plus weighted runs created plus weighted runs runs created plus a little bit better uh, more kind of accurate more robust in the right ways Um, 
and an average here of 3.1 wins above replacement per 600 plate appearances. And he figures to be leadoff hit, you know, the leadoff hitter and kind of on an everyday basis. And so he could easily eclipse 600 plate appearances. And keep in mind, wins above replacement, it's counting defense, base running, and hitting. And so the, the hitting numbers are good. The batting average is great, but like the on base is is good and the slugging is like okay. It's not bad. It's not it's like mediocre. Um but you add it all together and it's a it's like a above average bat with the potential for good defense at a premium position. And so that's where you're getting um this war number of over three as a projection again averaging three so i'm taking one that's doing averages on its own and then i'm including it in a calculation with other projection systems and averaging them so i'm probably we're probably over averaging here but that's just that's what i did but importantly or like significantly i wanted to add that ATC again, nine percent strikeout rate projection for Lee Steamer nine point one zips seven point three. The average of those three being eight point five percent as the strikeout rate. So that would have been the lowest. Uh, excuse me, the second lowest in all of baseball in twenty twenty three, behind only Luis Arise, who had a strikeout rate ridiculous five point five percent, exceptionally low. Um, the next closest qualified player was Jeff McNeil at 10%. So if Jung-Hoo Lee were to achieve this, and again, you're getting projection systems before he's even played a game in the major leagues saying this about him, that essentially, you know, again, the game's not played on a computer. He's got to go out there and do it. But if he did do this, second lowest strikeout rate in the game the mlb average is 22.7 percent and we're talking for lee again 8.5 percent is the average projection here and the giant strikeout rate as a team was 24 and a half percent so for lee that's about uh three times lower than the giants average and he's only 25 years old and so the more you know we see things like this the more it just looks like a really good signing for the San Francisco Giants. So coming up in just a minute, I want to get to more than just Jung-Hoo Lee. We're going to talk about other position players. I think I want to mostly focus on position players. Maybe we'll take a look at someone like Logan Webb as well. Uh, and we'll get to that. And then some Hall of Fame talk. Hall of Famers were announced. And it bodes well for someone of importance to Giants fans. So we'll get into that in just a minute. And before we do, today's episode is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. The NFL season is wrapping up. The 49ers, my goodness, they gave us a little bit of stress there in their latest game. But hey, they're going to play for a chance to go to the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. And there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers... Uh, get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So win or lose, you get 150 in bonus bets. And so obviously it's a, you can't, you can't lose here. And looking at the 49ers odds, they are significant favorites here against the Detroit Lions at home. Uh, at minus 335, the point spread minus seven for the 49ers here. 
and the the over under set at 50 and a half points for this game and so you can make a bet there five bucks and you get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed at fanduel.com slash locked on again fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup fanduel official partner of the nfl All right, as promised, more um, ATC and you know other projections. How ATC compares didn't totally make to, mean to make that first whole segment about Jung Hu Lee, but I did. You know, he he projects by all three of these projection systems to be their best uh, position player, and Steamer has him as a three and a half uh, WAR player. And part of that is they're projecting 625 plate appearances. So when I'm saying per 600, they're going above that. But anyway, these are exciting projections. If he can do anything like this, and again, I understand the game is not played on a computer screen. You got to go out there and do it. But um, the computers, you know, just like in our regular lives are like better and better at doing what they do. Right. And so that's you can't deny that really and so that's how these project that's how i view projection systems as well but by all three they project him to be their best position player that doesn't mean they project to be a great team uh, and maybe you know you need you need some more guys like that on your team um so let's just take a look uh patrick bailey according to steamer comes in at number two it's kind of wild they project him for 98 games and to be 17 percent below average offensively and yet 2.8 wins above replacement based on strictly elite defense and in only 98 games i mean if he played 130 games that number would be up maybe closer to four or at least three and a half where Jung Hu Lee is. And by the way, like the average MLB player is not like a zero win above replacement player. They're more like two. And so for Lee, when we're looking at three, you know, that's an extra win above an average player. So it's an above average player is what it's being, what he's being projected as. And according to ATC, uh, Patrick Bailey, only at 1.2 wins above replacement in 107 games. So, you know, projecting him to be about 19% below average. And according to Zips, they've got uh, Patrick Bailey only getting 421, 420 plate appearances, again, being about 20% below average offensively. But being, do they do, are there war projections here? I don't know that he straight up does like a war projection for, I may just be, oh yeah, 2.4, but in only 420 plate appearances. And what was the first one? Steamer had him at 385 plate appearances. So a lot of variability with where they see Patrick Bailey coming in, although not so much variability with the offense. It's more about just how it all adds up with, with, below average offense plus really really good defense and how much playing time there is so how about tyro estrada this is the one i find interesting because he's out they basically all agree on where he comes in but they uh are all underneath 
where he's been as a giant. So ATC, this is the one I wanted to focus on, has Estrada as the Giants' second best player at just two point, second best position player, I should say, at just 2.2, I shouldn't say Fangraphs wins above replacement, it's uh, it's ATC wins above replacement, with a league average offensive line, 100 weighted uh, runs created plus, and for, what is it, Steamer, they've got him at 100 weighted runs created plus and 2.2 wins of a replacement. That's exactly the same. And let's see, 571 plate appearances per ATC, uh, 616 per steamer. And for zips, they've got um, Tyro Estrada, 96 OPS plus. So they all agree around league average offensively and by war zips is at 1.9 so basically a league average player um is the projection roughly for tyro estrada which is disappointing especially if that's your second best player which they they don't all have two of them have patrick bailey and then wilmer flores gets kind of mixed in there as well there's not a lot of other guys to kind of point to and get I mean, we could talk about prospects, but there's not a ton that kind of blows you away. And so this is why I feel like with Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman still out there in free agency, you know, you're getting like there's other solid projections like Flores and Wade, Conforto, Yastrzemski, J.D. Davis. Like they all project to be like solid big leaguers. They're not like minor league players, which is, you know, in some cases kind of cool because they were before they came to the Giants like I mean Estrada wasn't getting much of a chance Yastrzemski wasn't getting much of a chance Wade hadn't really established himself so in a lot lot of ways that's cool but they need uh, I I mean actually let me take a step back you got a Luis Matos 102 weighted runs created plus projection by Steamer so uh, he's what 22 years old at this point 21 he turns 22 in january and he's got an above average slightly above average uh offensive projection and so that's actually exciting because when you're doing that at age 21 you project that they're only going to get better as they get older and and i do feel that way i mean luis matos is a legit prospect and um atc by the way for let me just kind of scrolling through the prospects for matos has him at a 95 weighted runs created plus which is um good you know pretty good for a 21 year old kid who kind of shot through the major uh the minor leagues um none of them are super high on marco luciano so that's disappointing but again the game's not played on uh oh and 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 zips has matos at 100 ops plus which is league average so those are those are Matos, that's exciting. And and so like you could see I've seen like um on roster resource, they kind of predict the Giants roster and they've got Elliot Ramos kind of on the bench as a platoon guy with like uh Conforto or something. And I would think Matos gets that opportunity. Uh and, and I'm not not to say he should be a platoon player. And maybe they do want him to just play every day in AAA um, instead of kind of platooning him. But when you platoon, you end up like playing, you start a lot and you 
come off the bench a lot and then guys need days off and guys get hurt. And so you end up getting a ton of opportunities like throughout the years, Austin Slater has had plenty of chances to be an everyday guy and it usually doesn't go well, but I don't feel that Matos is going to get pigeonholed into that same role given that he's 21 years old and considered a really good prospect, good bat speed. I think he just needs to add some strength to be honest he hit a lot of balls like kind of on good trajectories, but just didn't kind of hit them quite hard enough, even though he was hitting them on the good part of the bat. So if he were to add some strength, then kind of look out for Luis Matos. He's maybe a sneaky, like legit breakout can- candidate for the Giants in 2024. So anyway, I want to turn our attention Maybe we'll take a look at Logan Webb, but mostly I want to turn our attention to the Hall of Fame results. It's not, I'm I'm honestly happy that we don't have to have our annual conversation about Barry Bonds not getting elected and how it's dumb and how he deserves to be in and blah, 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 all the different reasons why I think that's true. We don't have to talk about that, but it, it actually is kind of good news, but it's, um, Second degree good news. So I'll explain what I mean in just a minute. And before we do. All right, as promised, we're going to get into the Hall of Fame results. I wasn't even aware, honestly. That's how like little I care. I know that some of you out there care a ton about the Hall of Fame. Um, I don't know if it's generational. I'm of a certain age where... You know, especially the younger kids today. I don't know how much they care at all. Let me know in the comments below how old you are and if you care how much you care about the Hall of Fame on a scale of one to ten. Be interesting to see some of those results. Maybe I'll put up a Twitter poll as well. But you know, the results were that three guys got in, and I'm always happy to see guys get in because, uh, you know, the small hall thing is just kind of like. If you look, basically, like the best players are not getting in. You're you're just rewarding like the ultra ultra elite, and it's I think it's a little bit too, uh, too small. Too the criteria is gotten tighter and tighter, and so these guys, a lot of these guys deserve to be in, and they're and they haven't been. But uh, Todd Helton, he gets elected to the Hall of Fame, but Adrian Beltre uh, was the guy who got something like 98% of the vote um, trying to trying to find exactly what the results were. And I will get there. Um, we had, yeah, 95.1% of the vote for Adrian Beltre. So first ballot hall of famer, congratulations. Uh, Todd Helton on his sixth turn on the ballot gets in uh, with 79.7% of the vote. And then Joe Maurer, gets in as a first ballot Hall of Famer. And so this to me stands out more than anything because he's a catcher and because his Hall of Fame case, I think, makes you, it, it just naturally as a Giants fan, should make you think about Buster Posey. And I can't believe that I have to kind of fight some people on the on the argument that Buster Posey is a Hall of Famer. Like, if he's not a Hall of Famer, you just weren't paying attention to me. Like, if you're a Giants fan, like a real Giants fan, and you don't think Buster Posey is a Hall of Famer, you are among a select few who are in that category, I would imagine. Because 
I mean, what more could this guy have possibly done to be a Hall of Famer? Like, I know he had some down years towards the end, but then he came back and had like the best season of his career or one of, he basically got back to peak form in his final season. Um, went out on top. I know, of course, the team lost in the NLDS, but they set a franchise record in wins with 107. He hit 304, 390 on base, 499 slugging. It was just awesome as a 34-year-old and retired young. I mean, he could have kept playing and racked up those like counting stats to a better degree. And I just don't I just think voters these days are trending past counting stats, you know, like how many doubles did you have? How many home runs did you have? Like the total number versus things like weighted runs created plus. How much better were you than the average player? And especially when you start looking at catchers for Posey. I mean, he was just a legit, legitimately great offensive player. And when I say great, I mean like really, really good. Maybe he wasn't like Juan Soto or, you know, peak Mike Trout or whatever offensively. I mean, at times he was, though. Like, in his MVP season, hit 336, 408 on base, 549 slugging. Never hit more than 24 home runs in a year, though. But still, I mean, just indisputably great offensively, or or at least very, very good offensively. And we're talking about the catcher position. So for Posey, he played in his career, how many games at catcher he played 1093 games at catcher and only 229 at first base whereas for joe mauer he played like we're talking about ratios here because that's the thing mauer played more games but mauer mauer played 921 games at catcher and 603 at first base so like two uh one third, excuse me, of his games basically were at catcher, whereas for Posey, it was more like uh, one fifth. And so Posey was more of a catcher than Joe Maurer was. Joe Maurer was largely a first baseman towards the end of his career. Posey, you know, 129 weighted runs created plus. Maurer, we're going to scroll up and see, uh, 123. So Posey, better hitter. Maurer hit 306 in his career. Posey hit 302. It's not all about batting average, though. Buster Posey had a 372 career on base percentage. Maurer at 388. So, so far, Maurer leads in both categories. But Maurer with a three, uh, 439 slugging and Posey 460. And so Posey also did this at a tougher hitter's park than Maurer. And... By base running metrics, Maurer was a better base runner. Posey was never the fleetest of foot. But defensively, and largely because Posey spent so much time behind the plate relative to Maurer, like proportionally, um, Posey just runs laps around Maurer in terms of his defensive value added. And so... Posey played only 1,371 career games. Maurer played 1,858. However, in that time, so Maurer played about 500 more games and put up, according to fan graphs, 53 wins above replacement. And this is where I really lean on fan graphs and not baseball reference. Um, 
I don't even look at baseball reference, to be honest. So maybe they've changed things. But Fangraphs incorporates pitch framing into their war calculation. And uh, to my understanding, like um, baseball reference does not. I'll have to triple check that. But, you know, so Maurer, like framing is a huge part of catching. It's the most important one, you know, in terms of the tangible kind of quantifiable skills, framing is the most important. And Posey was really good at it. And he hit like, you know, at a very high level and not to mention rookie of the year, comeback player of the year, twice MVP and three rings and setting, you know, being leading a team to an unexpected 107 win season in his final year, um, hitting a 3-0 opposite field would have been splash hit in his, you know, one of his final games in the playoffs against Walker Bueller in a 3-0 count. I think I already said that. But anyway, Maurer put up, according to fan graphs, this includes offense, defense, base running, 53 wins above replacement in 1,858 games. Posey put up 57.6, so more than Maurer by about five in 1,371 games. So about 500 fewer games and about five more wins above replacement for Posey. And so all of that to say, I see no doubt at all because catchers, it's it's just a super premium position and the bar is different for them. And Posey's one of the best ever, in my opinion. Like at bat for at bat, Posey is one of the best catchers ever. Maurer is up there too, but he largely he missed a lot of time at the catch. He, uh, you know, almost not almost, but somewhat almost 50 50 first base and catching. And Posey, that never happened. He stuck behind the plate and put up numbers. So. Congratulations to Maurer. I think, again, like I said, I'm not a small haul kind of guy. Um, and to Beltre and to Helton. Helton was a guy I never wanted to see come up. And so that, you know, passes the test for me in that way. Um, and anyway, I just think Maurer getting in first ballot makes it just no question that Buster Posey is a Hall of Famer, if that's the standard. And it should mean that when he's eligible, which is, I think, five years after they retire. So he'll come up here in a you know, handful of years. Uh, he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and that's exciting. And I think he'll be the only player from that era of the championships to get into the Hall of Fame. And I don't think it's close. I don't think, you know, I don't think Bumgarner comes close to being Hall of Fame level. I think some people think he is, but I don't I don't think so at all. There's the postseason success, but other than that, he was a good pitcher and never great, except in the postseason. I just, you, we'll see. The proof will be in the pudding. I don't think Bumgarner really sniffs the Hall of Fame. Um, Sandoval, no. I think Lincecum's already been one and done, and Kane as well. So it's Posey and, and Bochi uh, who who are going to get in from from that era, in my opinion. Um, and, and the Maurer results bode really well for Posey. So anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day or three days a week for now, but soon back to five days a week. 
Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on X, Twitter, at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a ton. So thank you in advance, and thanks to everyone who's done so already. Can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.